tonight. Satan no longer has to hide his intentions to kill our offspring. He comes out in the open on Cosmopolitan magazine. Plus, Hamas thrives on the ignorance of our civilization. And Europe, the bastion of left-wing values for over 100 years, has taken a hard right turn. Why? Because Muslims. This is your favorite night of the week, The Deep End on Tim Hatch, live. Hey, everybody. Welcome into Tuesday Night 730, where we discuss the news of the day from a Christian worldview. I am your humble host, Tim, and welcome to Tim Hatch Live on YouTube. If you hit the like button and the subscribe button and the notification bell, all three to help us boost the algorithm and get this content out to more eyes and ears. If you feel it's important, that would be very beneficial to us and very helpful to many others. So thanks for tuning in Tuesday night, 7.30, where we discuss the deep end or we do the deep end show. Season seven, episode 10. And we got a lot to talk about. Satan is coming out into the open. I can't believe what I'm about to share with you. But first, I also have news about the THL community, the Tim Hatch Live community, of course. We talked about this last week and the week before. Before, but we have a new membership plan $10 basic $20 standard and $30 premium and you can see the benefits on the screen there and I would thank every single one of you right now that have joined the community there's a bunch of you <laughs> we're humbled keep on coming in we're going to provide extra content to you insider peeks at how we put the show together and my books and other materials that we're going to get into your hands for free just for being a valued supporter of this content and taking the uh the power of this content out of the hands of youtube and helping us distribute it to a far broader far wider audience anyway that being said we've got to do a segment that i started a couple of weeks ago before halloween it's called this week in satan because as is now the recurring theme satan no longer has to hide Let's do it. This week in Satan on the deep end. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so here's the news. Cosmopolitan magazine has endorsed satanic abortions. I kid you not, this is true. Let me just show you on their own Instagram page one of their posts. Actually, they have a post and they have a reel. Here's the post on Cosmopolitan's Instagram page. Now, Cosmopolitan, uh, if you don't know, is uh, purveys itself as, and I'm going to put this up here on the screen for you, the largest young women's media brand in the world. The largest young women's media brand in the world. Can you see that? I hope you can see that. If you can't see it, just go over to their Instagram homepage and you can see that that's how they dub themselves. So this is one of their posts. How does a satanic abortion ceremony even work? <laughs> I can't believe the words that we put together in 2023. And they do this as like advertising themselves. So the post reads, patients of all faiths are welcome at Samuel Alito, Alito's mom's satanic abortion clinic, which I think the abortion clinic just named itself after Samuel Alito, the Supreme Court justice, who's heavily conservative and voted to strike down Roe v. Wade. Anyway, uh, in New Mexico, and this says this, along with medical counsel, TST offers free ceremonial support to everyone. Abortion ceremonies are totally optional and customizable. Here's a sample one. Uh, that they recommend. And it says, uh, first, you just, you know, if you slide to the right, this is the next page. First, and notice the upside down cross, by the way. First, find a quiet space. Bring a mirror if you can. Just before taking the medication, gaze at your reflection and focus on your personhood. Home in on your intent, your responsibility to you. Wow. In the last days, Paul says, there will be terrible times. Men will be lovers of themselves. Here we go. Cosmo. 
which has always been a love yourself magazine, but now with Satan helping <laughs> to love yourself even more. The next swipe, take the right to the right. Take a few deep breaths, relaxing breaths. Uh, when you're ready, read the following tenet aloud. One's body is inviolable, inviolable, sorry, subject to one's own will alone. Take the medication and immediately afterward recite beliefs should conform to one's best scientific understanding of the world. One should take care never to distort the scientific facts to fit one's beliefs. Okay, so the scientific fact is that a child has a heartbeat uh, within six weeks, uh, that every DNA uh, cellular, all the DNA cellular information is in the zygote immediately. Uh, it, it is uh, hundreds of thousands of miles long of information, and to read one person's DNA genetic code would take you six years if you read every day one word per second. I mean, that's, that's literally the science of uh, conception and humanity and the start of human life. But... <laughs> Satan is a master at manipulating the facts for his own intentions to kill our offspring because we are a threat to his dominion, of course. So we, they say, conform to your best scientific understanding, which is to say you reject scientific understanding of the human anatomy and the human biological process. The next swipe to the right says, later, once the procedure is complete, return to your reflection, focus again on your personhood, your power in making this decision, complete the ritual by taking a personal, uh, uh, reciting a personal affirmation by my body, my blood, by my will, it is done. Wow, wow, wow. Uh, can you get more satanic than that? What did Jesus pray in the garden? Not my will, but your will be done. And then he laid down his life. He didn't take another person's life. He didn't take an offspring's life. He took. He, he laid down his own life <laughs> for us. Wow, Satan is the exact opposite. So you are going to sacrifice your child's life against your child's will um, and erase that genetic code for human uh, flourishing from the earth for your own glorification. Your will be done, basically. Famous line from C.S. Lewis is that there's two people who stand before God on Judgment Day. And one, one group says, thy will be done. And the other group says, my will be done. And the one that says, my will be done gets cast into hell. Interesting language here from Cosmopolitan. Then the last swipe says this, mirror or mantras or not, TST's point is that your abortion should focus on your autonomy in making this decision. Patients can include as many loved ones as they like or light candles or even dress up, whatever makes them feel empowered. Again, there you go. It's all satanic. It's all me first. It's all Isaiah 14 nonsense that we just see propagated now in popular women's magazines. And then on their reels, it says a satanic abortion clinic may sound like clickbait, but it's really happening in New Mexico, and it might just be the most genius reproductive justice play of our time. So there you have it, kiddos. There you have it. Well, um, Cosmopolitan also offers all this other nonsense on their website uh, or on their Instagram page. Uh, Taylor Swift promotion, you promotion, um, uh, <laughs> this post about anxiety. Um, I don't know. So you, this is the world. This is the kingdom of darkness. This is what they do. Oh, by the way, I just scrolled past it. This is the, the Cosmo satanic post. Just in case you were questioning whether I lifted that or even if they deleted it. Amazingly enough, they did not even delete it because they don't have to because Satan does not have to hide anymore. And that is This Week in Satan. And now we've got to talk about Deep End News because it is my job constantly on this channel to tell you what the news refuses to tell you. And so let's do it. Deep, 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 deep End News. The news you choose if you could choose news.
Why do I do a deep end news? Because it's not just the news you choose if you could choose news. It's the news that the cultural West will not show you because there is an explicit bias in the Western news outlets and particularly against uh, the Judeo-Christian ethic. And that entails bias against the nation of Israel. And with that goes hand in hand the support and the narrative uh, continuance of the terrorist regime Hamas that continues to strike terror into the hearts of civilians in Israel. I have to discuss what I think is the most ridiculous and bizarre and perhaps eye-opening moments in the history of journalism. Ladies and gentlemen, do you need any more proof that Western journalism is dead, that they no longer care about the facts, that they are about a narrative and propagating an ideology and uh, propping up Hamas as some kind of equitable force against Israel that is just oppressed and marginalized and therefore victims of colonialization and therefore uh, entitled to terrorist acts on their behalf. Well, <laughs> that's the Western news outlet narrative. Look no further than Britain, where Sky News had a brain-dead anchor on television asking an Israeli government spokesman named Elon Levy about the three-for-one hostage exchange going on with Hamas right now. So the hostilities in the Hamas and um, Israeli war have uh, come to a halt temporarily. Temporary truce, and there's some uh, hostage exchange and prisoner exchange. Prisoners held, these are... Um, these are foreign or, or, or militants, Hamas militants, who have been imprisoned by Israel. They are being released for the exchange of civilians that Hamas took captive, uh, the ones that they didn't rape and brutally torture before burning alive. You know, those hostages that they took in, in, into captivity. Those are being released in exchange for their own militants. Okay, so that's what you got. You got militants being handed to Hamas for civilians who never lifted a gun. Okay, that's that's the exchange. Now, Israel has to release three militants who are going to get back on the team and then turn around and aim guns back at Israel and their citizens for every one of Israel's kids and innocent people, civilians, right? So the Hamas narrative continues to propagate because of our ignorance. And I said, you want to see case in point? You got to check out this Sky News back and forth uh, with this Israeli official and just listen to the question. It's unbelievable how they frame the hostage exchange three for one. Three for one, here's how they frame the hostage exchange. Watch. I was speaking to a hostage negotiator this morning. He made the comparison between the 50 hostages, hostages that Hamas has promised, um, promised to release as opposed to the 150 prisoners that are Palestinians that Israel has said that it will release. And he made the comp comparison between the numbers and the fact that does Israel not think that Palestinian lives are valued as highly as Israeli lives? That is an astonishing accusation. If we could release one prisoner for every one hostage, we would obviously do that. We're operating in horrific circumstances. We're not choosing to release these prisoners who have blood on their hands. We are talking about people who have been convicted of stabbing and shooting attacks. Notice the question of proportionality doesn't interest Palestinian supporters when they are able to get more of their prisoners out. But really, it is outrageous to suggest that the fact that we are willing to release prisoners who are convicted of terrorism offenses, more of them than we are getting our own innocent children back, somehow suggests that we don't care about Palestinian lives. Really, that's a disgusting accusation. 
Uh, good for Elian Levy there. Uh, I am appalled. You should be too. But this is what the news media does. This is why nobody trusts them anymore. This is why um, you just you cannot make stuff up like this uh, as news anymore. It's the absurd has become normative for Western civilization, and it's only going to get worse. So Israel gives up three Palestinian prisoners of war for one civilian. And the news anchor's question is, oh, does that mean that you value Palestinians one third of the value of Israeli? Israeli? I mean, you got to be stupid. You have to be braided. You have, no, no. You have to have a master's degree in gender studies to ask that question. And I almost guarantee that that news anchor has some kind of useless degree like that. Um, by the way, back in 2001, Israel is so devoted to getting their own back that they actually exchanged one prisoner in Hamas's, uh, in Hamas's um, possession for 1,000 Palestinian militants. This is the um, Galad Shalit prisoner exchange. It happened in 2011, and Gal Galad Shalit was uh, an Israeli, uh, I think, IDF soldier. He was captured in a 2006 raid on southern Israel by Hamas soldiers, and because Hamas is so willing to release captives alive, uh, he was the first, listen, the first Israeli soldier ever to be released, well, no, not ever, but to be released by the Palestinians back into Israel alive in 26 years. The first in 26 years to be released alive back in the hands of Israel. He was taken, like I said, prisoner in a 2006 raid by Hamas on the southern border of Israel. And I suppose that those who have a master's degree in gender studies would suggest that Israel considers um, a Hamas prisoner one one thousandth the value of one Israeli soldier, according to this news article. The insanity never ends. Oh, and something else that the news won't report was this happened over the weekend. Two Palestinians accused of being Israeli spies were executed in public by Hamas by having their bodies hung on a metal pole. One of the men's legs were cut off and hung up there with the rest of his body while onlookers, and you can see there in the video, took selfie videos, took videos of the thing, raised their hands, celebrated. Yeah, these are those peace-loving, civilized Hamas supporters cheering and taking videos with their phone of a live execution because they are the oppressed, colonized, peace-loving victims of the Zionist regime. And if you can't pick up my sarcasm, I don't know what to say. Now, who did Hamas release from captivity? One of them is four-year-old Abigail Eden. This is Abigail Eden here on the screen, a cute little girl. She is four years old. She is now orphaned because her mom was shot in front of her when Hamas attacked Israel on October 7th, and her dad was killed while he was trying to protect her with his own body during the attack. Then she was taken hostage. She had a birthday in her captivity, and she is one of the few to be released by this evil, sick, disgusting Palestinian Hamas terrorist regime. Now, let's also look at the flip side, the prisoners that are being released, prisoners of war, by the way, that are being released um, by Israel back into uh, Gaza. Uh, these are Hamas sympathizers or supporters or active militants. And this is a woman that was released. And literally moments after her release, she enters the crowd and she starts chanting, Allah is the greatest and put a sword in my hand. Watch. <laughs> We'll return to Muhammad, put the sword in the hearts of the sword, and we'll return to Muhammad. That's a calling for jihad. That's how you return to Muhammad. We are not slaves to anyone. Uh, anyway, that is what is happening in Israel and Hamas, and I have to keep sharing this content because there are so many people that are ignorant 
to the reality of this conflict, to the reality of the ideologies involved in this contact, con, uh, conflict. You have Israel, which is uh, very much like America, uh, pro-freedom, pro-civil liberties, pro-women's rights, uh, like America, in which, in a way, you know, I don't agree, you know, gay rights and gay expression um, celebrated and, and admonished in their uh, largest city, Tel Aviv. And then, and then you have Hamas, where they're throwing gays off of buildings and then they're executing their own uh, live uh, in front of people like it's, you know, the 600s. Uh, this is what's going on. Basically, if you think that Hamas and Israel are equals, you are a fool. You are a dang fool. And I would love to say something worse, but I'm a Christian pastor and I cannot. But you're just a fool. You're a fool. Like this brain-dead supermodel, Gigi Hadid. She has faced backlash for posting inflammatory anti-Semitic remarks on Instagram, but she won't face any consequences to her career or fame. She deleted the post and all is well. The model claimed that Israel, Israel is the only country in the world that keeps children as prisoners of war. She sent this post to her 79.1 million followers on Instagram. Last month, Hadid posted a message on her Instagram story that said, there is nothing Jewish about the Israeli government's treatment of Palestinians. And uh, these are all blatant lies. Uh, this is uh, misinformation, disinformation, manipulation of facts. Actually, it's the exact flip of facts. And she will suffer no harm. She will not be canceled. She will be celebrated by the kids who graduated from elite prestigious universities in America. Hamas flourishes, okay? It's propaganda flourishes in our ignorance. While our kids are being taught about pronoun respect and what gender you are on the gender spectrum or the genderbred little gingerbread gender little boy, um, uh, literally Hamas terrorists, Islamic regimes are gaining ground intellectually on them leaps and bounds. And I just fear for the future. Just wait until one of these pronoun kids have their first president elect in the White House, if it's even called the White House by that time, whoever they may be occupying the White House. Uh, kudos, however, to Conor McGregor. I don't watch UFC, but if I did, I'd root for this guy. Conor McGregor called out his prime minister in Ireland for, again, uh, repainting the Hamas-Israel conflict in terminology that softens the sick terrorist ideologies of the Hamas regime. So uh, McGregor, this is from the Daily Caller, says McGregor aired his frustrations at Prime Minister Leo Vardkar, calling him a disgrace. Vardkar had used the words lost and found, apparently from the biblical prodigal parable of the prodigal son, to describe the abduction of Emily Hand, an Irish-Israeli child taken captive October 7th by Hamas terrorists. McGregor accused the Prime Minister and other Irish politicians of minimizing Hamas's uh, atrocities against Israel. Good on McGregor. If you wanted to see the original tweet, uh, there it is. That's the quote tweet by Conor McGregor. First, let me read Leo Varadkar's tweet. This is the prime minister of Israel. This is a leader, okay, of the free world in, in Ireland. He says, this is a day of enormous joy and relief for Emily Hand and her family, an innocent child who was lost and has now been found and returned. And we breathe a massive sigh of relief. Our prayers have been answered. And thank God that Elon Musk purchased Twitter because now we have something called community notes. And so the readers can now add context and they can uh, support it with facts and articles that show the facts and articles. And so the reader's context says this, Emily Hand was kidnapped by Hamas terrorists on October 7th. So you're not lost. You understand? Words matter. When you're kidnapped, you're not lost. Like the prodigal son was not kidnapped by the people of a far off land and then forced to feed the pigs until he couldn't take it anymore and return home. 
No, 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 no. This is not the terminology of hostages, lost and found. That is the terminology of lost sinners and found, and found sinners. But here, Leo Vatikar, what a moron, an absolute disgrace, rightly so, rightly stipulated by Conor McGregor here. He says, she was abducted by an evil terrorist organization. What is with you and your government and your paid for media affiliates constantly downplaying, attempting to repress the horrific acts that happened to children. You were a disgrace. And then he calls out this uh, stabbing in Ireland that was also uh, washed in terminology that belittled the tragedy. So this is what's happening right now. And this is probably what's happening to some of you with your young children or, or grandkids or, you know, your friends in college. You, ha you have to go to public university or, sec or secular university to become this stupid. And make no mistake, Hamas and Islam will flourish, will grow, will gain ground on us the more ignorant that we become. I, I have another clip that I cannot believe is real, and it kind of underlies this whole idea that our educational system is bankrupt. The educational secretary under President Joe Biden is Miguel Cardona, and he was caught on C-SPAN. Nobody watches C-SPAN, so you would never watch this other than here on the deep end. But he was caught on C-SPAN trying to make um, a compelling case for why we need the government. And he interestingly quotes a very great president named Ronald Reagan. And I just want you to hear the quote that he says here from Ronald Reagan. And you try to get ahead of me here as to why he totally missed the point Ronald Reagan was making. This is, again, the Secretary of Education under President Joe Biden. Watch. You know, we're going to set up follow-up calls with every governor we met with to make sure we're available. Um, as uh, I think it was President Reagan said, we're from the government. We're here to help. Um, there's, there are resources there. There's technical assistance there. And there's a playbook that could support the work you're doing. Count on us as a partner in this. Our students are waiting. Thank you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, do, do you know how he got that quote wrong? Now, technically speaking, Ronald Reagan did say the words in that order. Uh, we're from the government and we're here to help. He, he, technically, he technically did say those words. But here's the original quote that Ronald Reagan said those words in at a press conference. Watch. I think you all know that I've always felt the nine most terrifying words in the English language are, I'm from the government and I'm here to help. <laughs> this is just... The Secretary of Education literally picked that quote out and said, yep, like the great President Ronald Reagan said. I mean, you, again, public education, bankrupt. This is what happens when you take history books out and you put gender books in. This is what happens. And I teach my... Um, my church leaders uh, that context matters in the biblical narrative. And so context matters when you're quoting other people, but in an age when you have instant access to people's quotes on your phone, like secretary Cordova could have picked up his phone and said, wait a second, let me just make sure before I say this publicly uh, on a recorded C-SPAN, you know, presentation, let me just make sure that I've got the quote, right. Okay. Mm -hmm. Oh wait, he was actually talking about how government is the worst thing that could be part of solving the problem because they are the reason that we have the problem. And anybody who paid extra for their Thanksgiving Turkey said, amen. Okay. You, you, you've got to see though, the narrative is twisted through our ignorance and then more news that you would never have heard of if it was 
wasn't for the deep end news. But Pete Buttigieg is the transportation secretary under the Biden administration. And he took two months off for paternity leave last year because he and his husband, quote unquote husband, adopted twin boys. Well, he's got a guy pal, a former Maryland mayor and prominent Democrat named Patrick Wojan. Patrick Wojan was just sentenced to 30 years of prison for possessing and distributing child sex abuse images. Yes, that's him there in the picture. That's his mugshot on the bottom right. He was the first openly gay mayor of College Park, Maryland. And so he's going to prison, rightly so, for 30 years. And I doubt that he will live out that sentence. It's going to be a rough go for Mayor Patrick and Buttigieg's buddy in prison. That is the news that you would not hear, possibly, if it wasn't for this channel. Thank you so much for those of you who are part of our membership plan. Now, I have to shift gears radically here, and we've got to discuss something going on in Europe, because as America is kind of like on the front end of all of this disinformation and narrative being you know, spewed upon our young and this um, pro-Hamas, pro-Palestinian you know, rallies in the major metropolitan areas of our country, uh, Europe is actually experiencing a great awakening. I absolutely can't believe it, but we've got to talk about the European awakening happening right now. Yes, yeah, so Europe is has been for over 100 years the bastion of left-wing progressive particularly sexually progressive uh, liberal values. And they're taking a hard right turn in their politics, in their elections, in their social or at least immigration policies. Now, last week on the extra content on the deep end, I shared that Argentina had um, elected Javier Malay as its new president. And this is a guy who said that Pope Francis is a filthy leftist. Uh, redistributing wealth is a violent act. He said climate change is a lie of socialism. He pledges to end the Central Bank of Argentina. He doesn't cut deal with China. Abortion is immoral. Mickey Mouse is the aspiration of every Argentinian politician because he is a disgusting rodent whom everybody loves. That is a direct quote from my new favorite president in the world, <laughs> Javier Malay. So is there hope, though, in Europe? Are they experiencing an awakening, not an awokening. You don't want to go that way. You want to go to the awakening side. Hope springs in Amsterdam, the Netherlands of all places. And the Netherlands are also uh, electing right, uh, right side of the aisle leaders. Uh, this is Gert Wilders. And he is the winner of the Dutch election that just took place. And he's quite potentially going to be the next prime minister of the Netherlands. He is a leader of the Party for Freedom. It finished first in the Dutch general election, winning 37 out of 150 seats in parliament, or 23.6% of the vote. His victory is a huge surprise, but the beneficiary of this sudden turn to the hard right is no upstart. He's uh, 60 years old. He's been serving in parliament since 1998. Uh, he quit the original party that he joined with, the center-right liberal party, uh, in 2004, over what he considers softness towards Islam. And he founded the Party for Freedom in 2006. He has always had a solid voter-based support, but he spent his parliamentary career mostly on the sidelines, um, and now he has gained prominence. Why? Because there is an uprising against immigration in Europe. And when you are anti-immigration, you are considered to be hard right, or <laughs> on CNN, a far-right fascist. So here he is uh, speaking, 
And he talks about the problem of the Islamic immigration reality happening in Europe and most particularly in his country, the Netherlands. I'm going to read the subtitles for those of you who are listening as he speaks, I think, in Dutch, right? So let me, let me read it for you. So it's not just a few rotten apples who make the other Muslims look bad. I say to the Prime Minister, stop pushing that nonsense fairy tale. This is a large majority, 700,000 Muslims out of 900,000, who reject our free society. And you, Mr. Prime Minister, have imported a monster called Islam into our country which has put our country in danger. Therefore, I propose for the 100,000th time to the cabinet. Madam Speaker, one, recognize that Islam is a violent ideology. One that comes, oops, I missed that one. Number two, close our borders immediately to asylum seekers and immigrants from Islamic countries, reject the open borders treaty and reintroduce border checks. Number three, start dismantling, start dismantling institutions of Islam, such as mosques. Begin with all those mosques that receive foreign funding, and they do, by the way. And where, for example, Dianet, the Turkish Ministry of Religious Affairs, makes the rules instead of us. Four, lock up everybody who threatens with violence or uses violence or deport them and get those hundreds of members and those thousands of sympathizers of jihadist movements in the Netherlands and lock them up preemptively if necessary. And number five, Speaker, ask all schools, newspapers, media to show a, Muha a Muhammad cartoon. <laughs> Ooh, this guy's got guts. Not to provoke, not to provoke, but to show that we never give in to threats and violence, and that we proudly support our freedoms. Speaker, to wrap up, I have a message for all the Muslims in the Netherlands. Listen to this. This is fantastic. We do not respect, who do not respect our freedom, our democracy, and our core values who find the rules of the Quran more important than our secular laws. There are many of those researched by Professor Koopman shows there's 700,000 out of 900,000, remember. And my message to them is, get out. Leave for an Islamic country. Then you can enjoy Islamic rules. Those are their rules, not ours. This is our country, not your country, but our country. This is the Netherlands. Wow. So amazing that this is happening. There is an awakening happening in Europe, and they are realizing that just a small influx of the population becoming Muslim is a problem for civilization. Huh? Who would have guessed? A, a religion literally born in blood. Born in blood, okay? Look it up. Read the history of Muhammad. He first thought he was demon-possessed. His wife convinced him that he was not. And then he went and attacked cities. He attacked Mecca. Why? He was an outsider. He was, he, he was vilified. Uh, the Jews hated him. The Arabs hated him. Everybody hated him. And so what does he, what does, he do? He turns to violence and he uh, starts the uprising and he takes, you know, leadership of a ragtag group of people who gain more and more popularity because violence is something that men are attracted to. And that is happening all over the world. Wherever Islam goes, violence follows. Well, according to Reuters, Muslims are in shock over this anti-Islam party's Dutch poll win. Now, this is just because 5%, only 5% of the Dutch population of almost 18 million people are Muslims. Now, that's important. Only 5%. And 5% of the population becoming or being Muslim, Islamics and immigrants, by the way, from Islam countries, is enough to propel a guy like Gert Wilders to leadership in the country who is basically saying, we're going to tear down your mosques, we're going to shut down <laughs> your freedoms, and we're going to deport you, and we're going to start doing border checks and close our immigration, like close our borders. Just 5%. Imagine if the population was 10% or 
Like America doesn't even have close to that percentage yet, but it's going that way. And it's not just the uh, Netherlands that is reacting like this. Uh, Finland just elected the most right-wing government in its history. Sweden enacts far more strict immigration laws as of right now to deal with the problem of Islamic immigration. Greece elected two right-wing populist parties for the first time ever. The Swiss elected an anti-immigration, anti-woke party in October. Viktor Orban just won his fourth term in Hungary. Giorgio Maloney, we talked about her in Italy. She won in a landslide promising to stop illegal immigration. And Spain has hundreds of thousands of people marching right now in their streets against the leftist open immigration party. And this is not because Muslims are a majority percentage of the population. They are still a severe minority, but they are loud and they are vocal and they are infective and pervasive and toxic and they are parasitic, bent on hate, intolerance and murder. And I don't care if YouTube suppresses my content for saying this. That's why we have the membership plan. It's the truth. And the truth has to get out there. And now more and more politicians on the right in Europe are not afraid to say the truth. Consider the, this guy. This guy is Jimmy Ackeson, the leader of the Sweden Democrats. Sweden Democrats are actually the Republicans in Sweden, so they're like the conservatives. But he said that we need to demolish mosques where anti-democratic, anti-Swedish, homophobic, or anti-Semitic propaganda or general misinformation about Swedish society is spread. Now, interesting that he would come out and say that publicly, not, in, not behind closed doors to, to conservative donors. He says it publicly because guess what? The public sentiment is starting to wake up to the fact that Islam is a hateful ideology bent on occupying and then obliterating any society that it takes hold of, as it did historically in the 600s under the leadership of Muhammad. It, nothing has changed about that religion for 1,400 years. And if we're not careful, America is next. America's Islamic population has doubled from 2007 to 2020. Of course, there's still only 3.85 million, according to 2020 statistics. Of course, that could be higher. But what, that, what, what is that? That's like 1% of the American population. And uh, if I say these things, of course, people will call me a bigot because they are ignorant of the teachings of Islam. And the Quran, but the Quran, obviously, I mean, literally, the, the Quran literally blesses people and offers blessings to the uh, members of Islam who migrate to other nations in order to spread Islam. This is from the Journal of Scriptural Reasoning, the Quran perspective on immigrants, Prophet Muhammad's migration and its implication on our modern society. And so it writes this, quote, those, this is from the Quran, those who migrate for the sake of God shall find many places for refuge in the land of great abundance. Now the Journal of Scriptural Reasoning reports, according to Islamic teaching, every part of the earth is God's land. This is Islamic teaching. Now this is Christian teaching as well. Okay, but listen to the difference. See if you can spot the difference between Islam and Christianity. Although today we have put up borders in order to divide nations and stop the flow of immigration and emigration uh, from one land to another. In the teaching of Islam, all lands belong to God and all people are servants of God. A similar statement which indicates that the entire land belongs to God is found in one of the sayings of the prophet, quote, God has made the entire face of the earth as a mosque for me and its soil as pure, end quote. So the, the mindset, what I'm trying to tell you, and you've got to see this, the mindset of Islam is the whole world belongs to God, but it is also a mosque for Islamic leaders. And it is their job to keep it pure through Islamic teaching by conversion or by occupation. And if you don't want to take my word for it, or even that article's word for it, how about we hear it from the horse's mouth? This is a Islamic imam, and he is literally talking about Islam's plan for the world. Listen from his own words. When Muslims go and conquer the, the adjacent country, 
What do we do? We kill them all? No. The Prophet says, the first thing you do is call them to Islam. If they refuse, then tell them Allah obliged upon you to pay taxation. In return, when enemy comes and attack your country, you don't fight. We Muslims protect you. Subhanallah, for this little money? Yes. And you enjoy sitting in your homes and in your country and live your life normally. But the ruling is for Sharia. So you do not open nightclubs, you do not uh, fornicate. If they refuse, then we have to fight. And if we fight you, then we capture you, you become our slaves, and we take your land, and you take where Because you refuse, I give you two good options in the, in the coming 40, 50 years when the Muslims become strong as they're supposed to be. So, uh, some of you parents of woke children have got to show that clip to your kids, please, because they've been taught through their educational system that Islam and Christianity and Judaism and Hinduism, they're all basically the same, you know, and, you know, who's to say that one religion is better than the others? I mean, they're all equally tolerant and loving and kind. No, no, this guy literally just said that we're going to come over and take over your country and uh, you don't have to convert. You should convert. But if you don't convert, we're going to charge you a tax to protect you. And then, by the way, our protection um, requires that you do not fornicate. No sex outside of marriage, young people. Uh, no nightclubs and uh, no homosexuality and uh, really no freedoms. OK, you're going to live according to Sharia law and uh, but pay us a tax for living under our Islamic rules, even though you're not Islamic. That is their game plan. And anybody who tells you Otherwise, is lying to you or they're ignorant. And remember, Hamas flourishes on our ignorance of Islam and of the narrative. Now, let me just show you some notable immigration quotations from the Quran itself. Okay, Quran 914, quote, fight against them so that Allah will punish them by your hands and disgrace them and give you victory over them and heal the breasts of a believing people. Quran 3.151, we shall cast terror into the hearts of those who disbelieve because they joined others in worship of Allah, for which he had sent them no authority. Their abode will be the fire, and how evil is the abode of the Zalim Moon, polytheists and wrongdoers. So if you worship Jesus and Allah, uh, that's your future, hell. And then Quran 2, 1.3, uh, 193 says, and fight them until there is no more fitna, that is disbelief and worshiping of others along with Allah. And all and every kind of worship is for Allah alone. But if they cease, let there be no transgression except against Az-Zalim Moon, the polytheists and wrongdoers. So to all the multicultural lovers out there who think that welcoming Muslims will bring priests to our country, think again. These are the marching orders from their founder's book who also committed atrocities. And yes, amazingly, last week when I mentioned this on the deep end, I saw in the comments, and I read all your comments, by the way, somebody was shocked by this. They didn't even know that Muhammad took a six-year-old as his wife. Yes, this is true. Someone was shocked at the comments to learn this. It's absolutely true. Look it up for yourself. Muhammad, the founder of Islam, married a six-year-old girl and then consummated the marriage when she was nine. And he was 50 years old, by the way. But then again, of course, you would be shocked because of Western news bias and Western news bias in our search engines. If you search Google on the child bride today, you get a hundred, over a hundred of rebuttals against the claim from pro-Islamic websites. Literally Google doing work to protect this truth from coming out. You gotta go way down on the search engine to find the truth. He married a six-year-old and consummated at nine years old. Oh, and by the way, uh, years ago in 2008, a book was on the verge of being published. The book's title was The Jewel of Medina, and it was supposed to be published in 2008. It was yanked from publication by Random House Publishing. Why? Because it was gonna call out the fact that pr the prophet Muhammad, the prophet, quote unquote, Muhammad, had a child bride named Aisha, and he married her at six years old. They yanked the book. 
because it was going to disparage the prophet Muhammad. Unbelievable. People can literally take Jesus on a cross, put him in a vat of urine, take a picture of that and put it on display in a notable museum in the world and people will say it's groundbreaking it's wonderful expression it's the freedom of speech but if you dare talk about the fact that muhammad took a six-year-old as a bride you are an infidel according to secular book publishers that is the media bias that we are living in right now and would that we had a church that would stand up and speak these truths to the world but unfortunately we don't we have a church that tries to placate the world, befriend the world, love the world, and be like the world. And I'm speaking, of course, right now at least, of the Pope. The Pope continues to <laughs> baffle, I, I, I think, baffle Catholics who are at least paying attention to what he's doing. So the old mantra of the church is love the sinner and hate the sin. Uh, but the Pope continues to make headlines with the pro-LGBT crowd. This past week, he hosted trans women for a Vatican luncheon. Yes, this is uh, a bus full of men who think they are women. And they were invited to be special guests of the Pope. And the full story is that during the pandemic, under Italy's strict lockdown laws, some sex workers showed up at a Catholic church and uh, asked for help. They needed food, they needed shelter, they needed vaccines, and there was a local priest in Rome who helped them and then got news of that to the Vatican, and the Vatican also stepped up and helped them. And uh, you could applaud that action to help even sex workers when they're hurting, when they're starving, when they are, you know, in need of medical care. There's nothing wrong with that. But it's kind of interesting that the Pope continues to do things like this, where he goes out of his way to placate only one particular kind of sinner. Uh, a few months ago, I reported on the deep end that he said it would be op he would be open to blessing gay unions in a groundbreaking letter to his bishops. And the question about having trans people out for lunch or blessing gay unions has to be, is this what Jesus would do? Now, let me play the Pope's side here. Okay, I'm not Catholic, and I disagree greatly with Catholic theology, of course. <laughs> but here's the question. Did not Jesus hang around sinners? Did not Jesus get accused of being a drunkard and a Samaritan for hanging around with those kinds of people? And aren't we as Christians supposed to hang around non-Christians? Because if we're not around non-Christians, how can we ever win them? How can we ever share the love of Jesus with them and hopefully see them have their eyes opened by Almighty God and then come to saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. That, yes, absolutely must happen. Jesus hung out with Matthew. He was at a tax collector booth when he called him. The next thing you see happening is Matthew throws a dinner party at his house for Jesus and all of his tax collecting friends. It's a beautiful thing. Nothing wrong with it. Jesus also reached out to the very religious, legalistically religious, Saul of Tarsus and converted him and brought him into the fold. The church is absolutely for the most religious and the most irreligious. They're all brought in through the blood of Jesus Christ and made one brand new body. But here's the thing. Why, 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 why do Christian leaders, not just the Pope, but cool church pastors and particularly mainline pastors, love to cater to only one particular kind of sin? Let me ask this question. Does the Vatican have plans for um, a dinner with drug dealers? Or how about a brunch for people committed to committing adultery? Will the Pope invite billionaire tax cheats out to Rome for an afternoon soiree? Or will he have a porn producer's party with special lighting <laughs> in the uh, St. Peter's Basilica? In other words, will they have any love for other sinners that are committed to their sin, such as those transgenders are? 
I doubt it. I don't think that there's a lunch on the menu at the Vatican for deadbeat dads. And to me, this gesture of goodwill smacks of pandering as once again, only one sinful inclination is catered to by would-be church leaders around the world. Uh, by the way, this brings up a constant question in my mind. The next Pope is going to be really interesting. This one's getting old. And uh, there's no doubt that he comes from the left-wing side of the um, you know, theological aisle of the Catholic Church, where you had uh, Benedict XVI and J Pope John Paul II were, were staunch conservatives and actually very, uh, very open to Protestants and very, you know, uh, kind, I could say, open-hearted to Protestant believers. And, and then you have this guy, Francis, on the hard left, who is kind of testing the waters for the Catholic Church's future. I just see it that way. Where's the Catholic Church going in the future? Uh, take a look at Pope Francis. Uh, if you are a conservative Catholic, if you are a Bible-believing Catholic, it might be time to search out a new church that may not be Catholic, but does believe in the Bible. Because the fact of the matter is that loving the sinner means loving them all, not just the, world, not just the ones that the world thinks are worthy of love. And we need leaders who will stand against the tide of the regime, stand against the tide of the secularists in our culture, and tell the truth and be okay with telling the truth. For heaven's sakes, Satan doesn't have to hide anymore. It's time for the church to stop hiding. Anyway, that is the show for the free content, guys. We are going to do an extended content like we're going to start doing every week. And if you are interested in being a part of our community, join the Tim Hatch Live community. Help us take the power out of YouTube's hands to spread this content farther than we can imagine. There are the price plans for you. Monthly costs, monthly support is appreciated. The Deep Dive is back tomorrow night, and then you can check out Gear and Wear on timhatchlive.com. Uh, so join the community. When you join the community and support us, we support Project Rescue and the American Bible Society, and I'm so glad that you were here. Other than that, have a good night, and I will see you insiders in just a moment on the channel. <laughs> <laughs>